2021 NFL season is finally here. And you know what that means. Nate Henry's trends and reactions are also back. If you're new to the show, I'll run through all the Thursday through Sunday action and give you a tidbit or two from each NFL game, which is usually something I saw that I thought was interesting or maybe something that surprised me. These trends and reactions will give you some actionable advice to help you with future lineup decisions, make trades, and find waiver choices. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into the reaction. Tampa Bay versus Dallas. There were some concerns that Chris Godwin's role would diminish in view of an expanded Antonio Brown usage, yet Chris Godwin led the team in targets and had a 30% target share. It seems like Brown, at least for this game, ate into Mike Evans' role more than Godwin's. Evans played 94% of the snaps compared to Brown's 65, so there is that playing time disparity. But additionally, Gronk is the one developing into a red zone target for Brady, which was Evans' bread and butter. There should be enough meat in this offense for everyone to eat, but the biggest lesson from this is that a healthy Chris Godwin continues to lead the team in targets. Indianapolis versus Seattle. Russell Wilson continues to be insanely efficient, which is technically not something new for his career. Still, four passing touchdowns on only 23 passes is anomalous. Sure, everybody's happy today, but this has me worried. The 2021 Seattle offense has all the symptoms of the 2020 offense, which was frustrating and inconsistent. The silver lining is that all of Russ's passes were deep passes, so it seems that if Seattle's going to throw, they're at least going to try and throw deep. Nevertheless, I wouldn't turn down any tasty offers for Seattle's passing game members. Here's a bonus impression from this game. Zach Pascal looks like he's playing T.Y. Hilton's role. Michael Pittman is still doing his thing, which looks a lot like what he did in 2020, which was underwhelming. Pascal might be the better fantasy asset for 2021. Jacksonville versus Houston. The Texans shocked us all by putting up big passing numbers and big offensive numbers. But let's not forget that Jacksonville is only a few months removed from a one-win season. Sure, they had some hope this year with a new quarterback, but he doesn't play defense. Good for Houston, but I'm not reading too much into this. If you want something, I did notice that Nico Collins got several red zone targets. He's going to be involved, and it makes sense that he's a red zone target. He's got a huge body, very tall, but I'm not buying the Texans as a regular visitor to the red zone. Philadelphia versus Atlanta. Kenneth Gainwell played a lot in week one, 43% of the snaps, and they moved him around quite a bit. Uh, he frequently looked like a wide receiver. The important thing to note here is that Boston Scott really wasn't used at all. Looks like Gainwell has passed him on the depth chart as the passing game complement to Miles Sanders. Los Angeles Chargers versus the Washington football team. Austin Eckler tweaked a hamstring in the week in an effort to scare us all. Still, he played through it but I think he was still somewhat limited. Yeah, he did see 15 carries, but he mostly played decoy in the passing game. Still, when it came to brass tacks, it was Eckler on the field, not Roundtree, not Justin Jackson. I saw him get three green zone opportunities that turned into one touchdown, and he got the carries at the end of the game when they were trying to ice it. I doubt we see another game where Eckler sees zero targets, but it's clear that Eckler, even not at 100%, is the Chargers' most important back. Pittsburgh versus Buffalo. Gabriel Davis continues to be a red zone threat, but that's about all he does, and that makes him a glorified tight end. San Francisco versus Detroit. Brandon Ayuk played only 47% of the snaps, which made Debo Samuel the primary target for San Francisco. Ayuk dealt with a hamstring earlier this year during the preseason and training camp, 
but all indications were that he was ready to go. Clearly those indications were fallacious because there is no other explanation for Ayuk playing less than Trent Sherfield and Mohamed Sanu. Oh, and also Raheem Mostert is made of glass. Minnesota versus Cincinnati. I wasn't particularly impressed with the play of the Vikings offensive line. They looked really bad early, even though they kind of improved throughout the game. It led to some sacks for Cousins, but the run blocking wasn't particularly impressive either. Delvin Cook had 61 yards and 20 carries, but a lot of those yards were due to Cook being just a really good player, not because he had these huge running lanes to run in. His day was kind of bailed out as well by a one-yard touchdown that never should have happened because Justin Jefferson very clearly scored on the play before, but I guess the video evidence wasn't apparently enough to overturn the down at the one inch line ruling. I didn't think Cincinnati was some sort of stout defense. Maybe I'm wrong on that. So I'm surprised that Cook didn't have a better day, especially considering he got five quarters to do his damage. New York Jets versus Carolina. I saw numerous designed plays to get the ball in DJ Moore's hands. Sure, that's great news, but he continues to kind of suck in the scoring aspect of the game. I think we've probably seen enough of DJ Moore by now to know that he's not really a touchdown scorer. Also, the return of Christian McCaffrey spells problems for DJ Moore's major output. Sure, his talent makes him enticing, but I'm just not sure he'll develop into anything more than a fantasy wide receiver three in this offense. Arizona versus Tennessee. Yes, Christian Kirk had a great game, but A.J. Green played 20 snaps more than Kirk. Green also saw six targets compared to five, but he continued his trend from last year and brought in fewer than 50% of those targets. The snap judgment is that Kirk is the Cardinals wide receiver too, and you should go pick him up. But I don't think I'd act so impulsively. I'd want to see it for one more week. At least for now, it looks like A.J. Green is the intended wide receiver too, which would limit Kirk's upside unless he gets in the end zone multiple times like this game. Cleveland versus Kansas City. Baker's fantasy numbers just don't do him justice. He threw for 321 yards, sure, and completed 75% of his passes. And he did so without Odell Beckham Jr. His disappointing fantasy week resulted from no touchdown passes. I know Cleveland lost the game, but it, that was due to a punting debacle and some drops that cost them the game. It wasn't Baker. To me, he looked really, really good. Still, throwing no touchdowns and fewer than 30 passes seems to be about the Baker game plan. Kevin Stefanski has always been a run-first coach, and the Browns' running game is the strength of this team, even if I think Baker passes the eye test. He's a game manager. Will he have big games? Sure, but I think games like this one are more likely than the big weeks. Miami versus New England. Damian Harris absolutely carried the load with 23 carries, and as a pleasant surprise, brought in two of three targets. And nobody came close to his 40 snaps at the running back position. His day would have been even bigger had he scored a touchdown that eventually called back due to penalty. Also, he may have played more if not for a fumble. I think he should move up into that RB2 range. Denver versus New York. Ugh, what a shame that Jerry Judy got so significantly injured in this one. He had seven targets in only two and a half quarters. And he was absolutely dominating. Alas, once Judy went down, it was KJ Hamler who played a lot more. There's a lot to like about Hamler's game, especially his speed. He's not the route technician that Judy is, but he has the speed to find some holes in the defense. I think he's a name to remember come waiver time. Tim Patrick's another name, but he was already playing basically the same role he played last year. 
which was a red zone primary target. And he continued to demonstrate some red zone prowess. So he's a name to remember too. You're just going to have to hope that Denver scores a lot, which I'm not sure they will. Green Bay versus New Orleans. All right, so what happened to the Packers? Well, to begin, <clears throat> the Saints dominated the pace of the game and basically never let the Packers have the ball. In fact, in the first half, the Saints had the ball for 21 minutes and 51 seconds of the first half in building a 17-3 lead. Also, when Green Bay did have the ball, Aaron Rodgers had no time to throw. New Orleans is a good defense, but this is very concerning for Aaron Rodgers' well-being behind what looks like a very below-average offensive line. All right, last game of the night, Chicago versus the L.A. Rams. Allen Robinson didn't have a great game, but he had the Jalen Ramsey treatment in this one. Still, he saw 11 targets, so don't worry. He'll be fine in better matchups. I think he should explode especially if the Bears do the right thing and start Justin Fields in week two. All right. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Remember to like and subscribe and give me a follow on Twitter at NateHenryFX. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.